Welcome back, friends, to the Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Jess, and today we have my beautiful friend, Miss Christelle Gullian. Julian, I'm totally saying her last name incorrectly. She's going to be coming on here today and talking with us, and I'm super excited for you guys to get to hear from her. She is a teacher, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a community designer. She spent um, 10 years in a career working her way up through the D.C. public school system because she wanted to make a difference in the world. And that led to her starting her own education and wellness consultancy business that then eventually became what is known today as the Bliss House Network community. So I'm super stoked for you guys to get to meet her and hear from her. Let's jump in, shall we? Welcome back, guys. I told you about my beautiful friend, Christelle, who is coming on today. And first and foremost, I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. It is Christelle, not Crystal, right? Correct. Exactly. Christelle. Just wanted to make sure. This is like, I keep saying that. And I don't want to be the asshole that keeps calling you the same (laughs) thing and it's completely wrong every time I talk to you. (laughs) So thank you for being here. I'm super excited to get to talk with you today and for our listeners to get to talk or to listen in as we talk today. It's going to be a good time. All right. We're going to just jump right on in. So, um, Ms. Christelle, you are a teacher, writer, entrepreneur, and community designer. And I want you to start with the way back when, which you don't look like you are very old. So way back (laughs) when is not that way back. Um, But you had a 10-year career in the D.C. public school system. And then you started your own education and wellness consultancy that became the foundation for your community that is the Bliss House today. So let's start way back in there. How did you get into having a career with the DC public system, school system? What was that all about? And then how did you, what led to you, um, you know, moving out of that area? So the mic is yours, my dear, take it away. (laughs) So I would say being a teacher is what I, I known I wanted to be the longest. When I was six, I was uh, forcing my four-year-old sister at the time. I have a younger sister. Oh, and today's actually her birthday. Yay. Um, Happy birthday, little sister. (laughs) And so I make her be my student and I would teach her. So teaching is just, it's like I was born knowing I wanted to be a teacher And so after I graduated um, from undergrad, I applied to a fellowship program. So I went to school in Florida. That's where I grew up and that's where I live now. And it actually uh, started with a Oprah episode about schools, uh, some of the worst schools in the country. And I was very blessed to go to an awesome high school. It was brand new as well. And um, I had a lot of access to great education. So when I learned that school systems were not so great all over the country, you know, I had no idea about this when I'm 17 years old or 19, whatever. Um, I really think about it that age. Yeah, it's like, I just figured the rest of the world is similar to what I'm experiencing. And so I watched this documentary Uh, that Oprah highlighted at the time about schools in America and how terrible some of them were. And so I just had that very like young, energetic, you know, I'm going to go and 
be a part of the change. And so I applied to a fellowship program in Washington, DC. I had never been to DC before. Um, I didn't know anything about it, but it was one of the places that had one of the worst school districts and probably still does in the country. Is that why you applied for it there? That's why I applied for it. <laughs> okay. Very uh, ambitious, or I don't know if ambitious is the word. I don't think ambitious is the word, but well, and I, ambitious. I, was, I was driven to be a part of change and I wanted to go to where it was the worst. Um, where it was most needed. Yeah. Where it was most needed. Thank you. That's much better language. So <laughs> I applied to this fellowship program and it's an awesome program based. It's called DC teaching fellows. I think it still exists. I'm not sure, but basically you get your master's degree in education and mine was in human development. And at the same time I was teaching high school, um, at Baloo high school in Southeast. Um, and I was teaching special education. So at 22 years old, there were students in the building that were uh, 21. So it was, a, it was quite an experience for me that threw me into the school system. And I learned a lot. And I, you know, I'm like learning and experiencing and teaching all at the same time. Um, and I really loved it. I loved my students. Uh, the challenge that I experienced was with the system itself, which is not surprising after, you know, saying what I'm getting into. Right. But, um, and so I quickly decided that I wanted to start working with teachers as well, because I felt like my impact could be expanded outside of the classroom if I start actually working with teachers, because I just found it to be something that um, I felt was a, a gift of mine to be able to connect with students, engage students, um, especially students who had been really ignored in many ways and pushed to the side because these are the students with learning disabilities, you know, classified as ADHD, emotionally disturbed, all of these labels, you know, that were slapped right. on them. And many of them were not appropriate labels, but it was due to somebody not being able to really um, engage the child and understand their background and that many of them are coming from uh, traumatic backgrounds with, you know, a lot of history of violence and poverty and things like that. And so I found that these were actually the students that I enjoyed working with the most. And I just felt um, it came naturally to me to connect with them. And so I wanted to start teaching teachers as well. And so that's how I got into adult education. And I started coaching and teaching teachers. And after six years teaching high school, I moved into administration as well. And so I spent four years as a assistant director and then a director of schools. And the higher I got in the system, the more I realized how broken the system was and right. that there was really a limit to what I could do. I had in my mind that if I just keep getting promoted, then I can do more and more. And I realized that- so You could like change at each level kind of thing. Exactly. But I just kept hitting a ceiling and it became very frustrating. And when I got to the point that I was a director, which was the highest I, I was going to go, mm -hmm. um, I, I decided that this is- this was not how I was going to impact change in the school system. So in 2017, I left and I decided that I was going to, I actually wanted to start my own school. So that was the direction I started going in. And then I started realizing the limitations with working within the charter school board and that there's still so many 
limitations there. And I was just done with the limitations. So I'm like, I'm exiting the whole system and I'm just going to do this the way that I want to do it and start my own business and not be, I was so tired of being under, you know, all of these um, red tape and bureaucracy, bureaucracy and all these limitations basically. Right. Right. That totally makes sense. Okay. And so how, how did that go for you when you made that transition? Like, so it was great because I was, uh, because of how long I had spent in the system and the relationships that I, I built, mm-hmm. I was quickly able to work with, uh, some of my first contracts were with founders of new schools. So these were with people that were starting their charter school. So even though I wasn't starting a school, I was very passionate about supporting other people with the process, right? And so working with people from the outside as a consultant felt really good for me because I didn't have the entire pressure. I mean, it is so much to start a school. So I much rather support the founder of the school. And so that's how I got into consulting is by um, really working with fellow colleagues and friends who were starting their own school. And so I really loved that. And then I also was connected with Um, you know, founders of nonprofits. So really any organization that was supporting youth um, in communities that have high need. And so that's how I get into that. And I combined both education and wellness because the wellness aspect was really important because I say that that's what got me through 10 years in the school system is developing my own practice of wellness, um, healing myself from the inside out by changing, you know, nutrition, and uh, eating habits and you know, doing yoga and learning to meditate and all of those wonderful things. So it was really important to me, not just to teach strategies on you know, education and quality education, but also to incorporate wellness because I think the two really need to go together. Definitely, most definitely. If you're, I always say that it's kind of like, it's kind of like driving a car. Like you can't just fix the tires and then drive it without the transmission working or, you know, the oil needs changing or whatever. It go, it all goes into it. You've got your the physical, the nutritional, as well as the mental and spiritual part. So, and these were a lot of the limitations I was running into in the school system because you know we'd have these students coming and we're so focused on getting them to be able to pass a test or read at a certain level, and we're not addressing the fact that they're experiencing all this trauma at home or in their neighborhood. And same thing with the teachers, you know, we have certain expectations of teachers to show up and be able to engage and create these amazing lesson plans, but we're not thinking about the fact that they're so stressed and, you know, they've got anxiety and depression and all of these things, developing bipolar disorder just from, you know, so it was a huge piece that was missing and that was really frustrating for me. So that really drove me to include that as well. Love that. As I'm listening to you, I'm totally thinking of that movie from back in the 80s where um, I think there were two different movies where there was the guy that goes in and then the lady that goes in and they went into like the um, poverty stricken neighborhood into the high school that was going to get closed down. And um, do you know what movies I'm talking about? Is it Dangerous Minds? That's one of them. I think that's the one with the man. Um, And then there was another one with the woman. But I'm totally picturing you going in and doing that, being like, I'm here to make a difference. We're going to do this. <laughs> yes. And then I quickly was like, okay, this is not, I don't know what I was expecting, but yeah, it, I thought that I was going to struggle with teaching the students and getting to the students, but that's actually what I found to be 
the most enjoyable and uh, not easiest, but the part that I felt most natural at what right. was difficult was actually um, working with the adults and the system itself. Getting through the red tape and all of the limitations yes. of yes. still a quota versus actually helping shape a- And just antiquated thinking <laughs> when it comes to education, you know, yeah. and, and how we learn and learning modalities and all of those things. I just feel like still it's so behind. It's starting to change now because it's been shaken up, you know, due to COVID, there are more students learning from home, being homeschooled, um, which is, you know, has its own issues as well. But one of the positive, you know, sides of this is that it's shaking things up and it's, right. you know, forcing us to, to finally take a look at the system and say, maybe we need to be doing this very differently. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I, I'm an avid homeschooler fan. I've homeschooled my kiddos, my two oldest Yay. kids. I homeschooled them from like third or fourth grade up until high school. And then they went to public school for high school so they could do sports and stuff. And I have a 16 year old at home that I'm still homeschooling, but she learns differently than my other two do. And homeschooling curriculum and options have come a long way since back in that day. And so, um, but I definitely agree that I think that um, it's definitely being shaken up, especially because of the pandemic and stuff going on. I think that there's um, kind of an awakening for parents to a certain level of getting more involved and understanding better what their kids' education is really all about. And then trying to be more of a support for the teachers in making that happen and having to work together with the kids as the sole purpose Kind right. Of. So I agree. Definitely a lot of shaking up going. <laughs> I'm a fan of homeschooling. I plan to homeschool all of my future babies. Yes, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. I, you know, I love it. With my oldest two, we did a lot of um, Thomas Jefferson education, Charlotte, uh, I think it was called the Charlotte Mason method. Um, it was classical education, a lot of child led learning stuff. Mm -hmm. And we had some really fun adventures. Every Friday we went on a field trip and oh, I love it. did different <laughs> things. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I miss those days. They're all grown. and <laughs> Okay. So you started doing the consulting. So how did that transition from consulting um, founders of schools into what is now today Bliss House? Well, um, so at the same time that I was ending my career in the school system, I was also going through a divorce and uh, we had purchased this beautiful big house that now I was in by myself. And so I didn't wanna leave the house. So I started doing Airbnb and my dream was to do a uh, bed and breakfast. And so I decided to turn the Airbnb into a wellness bed and breakfast that I called Bliss House. And the reason I called it Bliss House is because I had, I had to learn how to turn the home into my sanctuary um, and my happy place. And so I actually started doing events in the home. We would do wellness events excuse me, I would have yoga teachers come, meditation teachers come. And so we would offer experiences for the guests of the bed and breakfast. And that's a totally like side thing, but it was, I just loved it. I loved having a bed and breakfast. I loved cooking breakfast on the weekends and things like that. 
And so the way this all comes together is that, uh, so that's where the brand Bliss House started. Okay. Where the network uh, part started is that I started wanting, I wanted to do events. And I realized that the best way to really host events is through a network. So instead of me reaching out to all of my contacts and inviting them to events and then only like five people coming and, you know, feeling like I have all the, I've got this huge email list. Everyone says you just got to use your email list, but no one's coming to my (laughs) events, you know, like what's going on. I've got these friends and family and no one wants to come. Where's everybody at? Where's everybody at? (laughs) So I, I kind of stumbled upon the idea of networking. And so instead of sending out 200 invites to my massive, you know, email list that I had accrued over 10 years, instead, what I did was I went on Instagram and I found people who their brand matched with, you know, the brand of Bliss House. And I invited them to the event as a vendor. So I would find, you know, I found a poet, I found a singer, I found someone who creates you know, DC art. So this is where the whole, uh, I say Bliss House Network is a community of socially conscious entrepreneurs and artists. And so this is really where that was born because I was doing these events. And so I wanted to find these awesome entrepreneurs and artists. And I would just start, I remember the first event I did, it was, I think I had like seven or eight people. You know, I had a painter, I had a model who was being painted. I had a poet, a singer, I had, and then a couple vendors who created things like jewelry, hats. And then what I did was I just told each of them that they could have a guest list of up to 10 people. And then boom, the event is sold out. That's awesome. You were doing collaborations before people knew what collaborations were. (laughs) Exactly. And I just kind of stumbled on it because I was like, you know, I wanted to have vendors and I realized that there was a totally different level of engagement because there's, there's a benefit for them as well, right? They get to come to this event. Um, they get to bring their community in and, and it was just amazing. We called it, it was, uh, they were one, the best of, I tried a bunch of different ones, but the best one was Wednesday night and it was our hump day social. Huh. And so we'd have music playing, we'd have poetry going on. We had a DJ when people weren't performing live we had a game table going on where people are playing Uno and dominoes. I mean, it was just amazing. And then people are like shopping over here and just hanging out. And it was so much fun. It was amazing. And so that's when I really understood the power of building community and starting small. You don't have to start with this huge, you know, like I said, I started with this huge email list and thought that that was going to get it. No, I got so much more traction and engagement when I just focused on a small network and then grow from there because then these artists are bringing their artist friends and these entrepreneurs are bringing their entrepreneur friends and before I know it I've got a waiting list for vendors you know it's like I'm sorry I've tapped out this week and it was just the the growth was exponential Um, and so this is what I learned about community and networking is that if you really tap into it you know you just it it takes you off to a whole different level right and so now fast forward a couple of years later, COVID happened. People aren't going to in-person events anymore. And so I started moving everything into the virtual world. And so that's how Bliss House Network 2.0 came about, which really came live just a few months ago. I mean, it's very, very new. Started on Clubhouse. I knew nothing about Clubhouse. 
And I joined at the beginning of November, like just three months ago and started building community. And I realized that this is perfect. I just need a home for this community. And so that's where uh, Bliss House Network, you know, the virtual platform came to be. I love that. I love that. I have a question backing up a little bit to the vendors that you brought in. So did you do it like, um, like an art fair type of thing where you were like, Hey, come in and be a vendor. And here's a fee for your booth kind of thing. Or did you just like, you know, pay them a set amount, come in and do this kind of thing, just in case anybody else has that idea. And it's like, yeah. So at first, you know, at first I did the free 99 thing, right? It's like, I just want you to come. But then once it became, once the value was there, the value was established, then I started um, charging a small vendor fee and I started charging uh, for ticket sales. And one of the things I would do is like, let's say the ticket was $10 to come. I would give the vendors $5 guest list tickets. I would say, you know, you get 10 guest list tickets and they just love that. And so then that encouraged them to then post. Now they're posting about the event on their Instagram. So they're promoting with me because right. they get guest list tickets. So like people just ate it up. So then I took it to the next level because I noticed I'm, I've always been someone that wants to go to bed early, but people are wanting to stay till two, three o'clock in the morning. So then I said, okay, I'm going to start doing VIP and charging people who want to stay past midnight. Right. There you go. I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> you want to pay more then you can pay more. And so I would, um, I remember the first time I did this, you know, I came on the mic as the host and I said, okay, um, if you want to stay past midnight and I, you know, I would call it after hours or bliss house after hours, something like that. And there would always be some sort of like special performance that we would reserve until after midnight, but also it just means you can stay and keep hanging out. And so I would say, if you don't have a wristband at midnight, you have to go. Otherwise you have to pay $20 or, you know, $10 more if they've already paid their $10 ticket. And every single person, because FOMO is real, (laughs) every single person coughed up, even though they had the opportunity in the beginning when they came to purchase their wristband, many of them didn't. But we were at the event and then it was like, okay, I'm coming to kick you out if you don't have a wristband. I mean, it was just like, take my money, take my money. And everyone stayed because they were having a great time. The value was established. I'm not selling anything to them. It's like, look, if you want to stay, this is what it takes to stay. Right. So downside, you didn't get to go to bed when you wanted to, but on the upside, you made some money for it. Yeah. And I was, I was fine with staying up. I mean, I still had to kick people out at three. I'm like, okay, guys, it is time to go. But yeah, it was great. Right. Right. That's too funny. Apologies for that loud noise. My whiteboard. Oh, it's okay. I didn't even hear it. Okay, good. <laughs> My whiteboard sticky board thingy came off of the wall. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that you're implementing some of that into the online community as well now, right? Absolutely. I take those same principles of finding, you know, starting, I started with just a small group of people that are highly engaged, really motivated to not only be a part of a community, but people who want to design, build, and grow their own community. And so from there, this is what I love about community design versus what's called like the creator economy where it's all about growing your following and getting massive massive following and the more numbers 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 right whereas community design is really the opposite 
you start small and you create this amazing community and you use that to attract people in and build from there, which I love. I'm so much better with a smaller group of people than, you know, a mass masses <laughs> just don't do well with, I don't have masses. So. Right. Right. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, and I love that you're doing that. I'm, I'm like that as well. I'm like, I don't want to deal with the masses. I don't know what I would do if my Instagram ever hit like, you know, even freaking a 10 K mark on followers, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, that's like so many people to try to have relationships with and communication with, because <laughs> that's how I am about stuff. Um, so I love that. Okay. And so that, that explains to us what community design is to you, right? Is there any more that you want to add to what community design is all about? Well, it's really, um, I, I think it's the future of, of business, of branding. Uh, people are getting away from just wanting to like follow, follow, follow. They're wanting to have, you know, more um, intimate or closer connections and relationships with people. And we're seeing this be, you know, coming up. It started, I would say, a few years ago after people started being like censored and banned on YouTube or shadow banned on Instagram, whatever it is. And so you started seeing these community platforms popping up like Patreon. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of other ones out there. But the thing with community design and I use Mighty Networks is that it's not just about the one creator and their following. It's really about the creator becoming the community designer and the facilitator of community. So in Bliss House Network, it's not dependent on me to do all of the content. Of course, I do some content but really the content is driven by the community. And it just, it's so amazing to go in there. And I'm like trying to keep up with the content that's in there. I'm like, I have to, yeah. you know, of course I want to comment on every single post. Yeah, but you're human. Yes. Schedule and a uh, life. <laughs> right, right. But it's amazing because it's, it takes so much pressure off of me, right? Like I was, there was a study that was just done. I posted about it on Instagram. And it said 93% of these content creators that are paid, you know, the big ones that have the huge following are unhappy and overwhelmed because there's so much pressure on them to keep up, to keep up. And there was a story in there about a guy who lost 400,000 followers because he was sick for a week, you know? And so it's just that that's the creator economy. And that's, it's really changing influencers and creators are really moving more into the community design space and being facilitators of community. So that it's not just about them. There's so much value in bringing people together and giving them a platform where they can connect with each other, not just with you. So it's decentralizing it, which I love. Right, I love that. Yeah, it is uh, the Bliss House Network community is very busy. I always forget, honest engine here, I always forget to go into Mighty Networks and look. I'm a part of your community and another community on there. And because it's a separate app, I had to put it over by where my Instagram and my Clubhouse app stuff was at <laughs> so that I, and then turn on all my notifications so that I remember to go in there. But every time I go in there, it is always popping. There's always so much stuff going on and there's amazing people, amazing stuff being shared in there. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm working on getting more active. Thank in you. I love, when you. I love when you pop in. I love I'm like, oh, I just need to remember. I have to put it on my calendar. And for reals, I really do this. Every Saturday at noon, I get a notification from my Google calendar on my phone that says, hey, go post a reel. It's the weekend. Post a reel on the weekend. So I have to set one up in there to be like, hey, go check 
in my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see what is going on over there okay so i'm i'm loving this um this uh definition if you would of community design versus the creator design stuff what's um what are some things that you think that um how would being a part of a community or focusing on the community design aspect of it, how would that change someone's life, personally, business-wise, or both? So I believe there's no greater way to, to really um, achieve massive transformation in your life other than being in a community, whether it's building new habits, uh, ending bad habits, starting new projects, um, learning. When people come together, there is just magic that happens. And, you know, I mean, it's, this isn't the first time I've come together with people, but that's where the design part comes in, right? Like being super intentional about how we come together. So there's a structure to it. I do very well with structure. I also do very well with the flow, right? So Bliss House Network has a structure to it. And at the same time, we have people in there from all different walks of life. It's very diverse. And so I don't, you know, I try to keep it broad in the sense of the content just needs to be uplifting, it needs to be positive, it needs to encourage growth and personal development. Beyond that, what that looks like is totally up to you, but I'm still creating the structure within that. But the transformation that takes place, even if it's just one-on-one, -on -one, like I hear members all the time talking about how they had their one-on-one -on -one session with this person, and where I come in is creating the structure for those collaborations to happen. And so just hearing the growth, I mean, even me, the, the wonderful thing is that I get to have these one-on-ones with people, you know, I get to have one-on-one -on -one sessions with coaches and fitness people. And, and it's like, cause I'm testing them out. You know, I'm the, I'm the, uh, you're verifying the them. You're, yeah. yeah. So like, you're I got the, yeah. the, the door, making sure that they are. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it has just been nothing short of a miracle and amazing and, you know, for people that know my story, this, I, I, um, last year was the hardest year, the most challenging year, um, of my life. I, I was pregnant and went all the way to 41 weeks and 40 hours of labor. And my baby did not make it through at the end of July. And so, and I'm actually pregnant now. So it's, it's all congratulations. Circle. I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. It's like, and so that that's what my life has looked like in the past six months it's like the time of my life and the best time of my life and that's that's really what it is I mean yeah. it has been a roller coaster and very very overwhelming um, and wonderful in many ways extremely challenging in other ways so to have a community and to have a network and they happen to be people who are also like amazing coaches and professionals and entrepreneurs and artists has just been um really amazing for me. I mean, and, and it's been amazing for them too, which makes it even more amazing for me is to see how much value they're getting. So it's, it's transformational. And I don't think anything transforms us like the power of connection and community. Right. I love that. It's like, you know, you are the product of what is it, the five people that you surround yourself with the most. So when you are in a good community with empathetic understanding professionals who care and are of service and and heart led it makes all of the difference and wow to your roller coaster yeah uh, i call it quantum like it was just a quantum 
quantum yeah. leap that happened there in my life right. that's still happening. I'm still in the process. You know, I'm currently in the motherhood journey. That's what I call it, you know, right. because now after going through this, I've met so many women and so many mothers who have experienced different levels of loss. It's way more common than I would have ever thought. Yeah. And so this is a whole other aspect, you know, of my life and journey right now. And it's really nice having a community. So when I take the time to, you know, be yeah. a mom, at least for the first few months and just focus on that, I know that Bliss House Network isn't going to totally dissolve because right. of the community there. And that's amazing to me to know that in, you know, seven months or eight months, whatever, it's going to keep going because it's it's been built and people, you know, right. Let alone the commute, the connections that you make so that you get your support from other women exactly. who have, exactly. you know, had their own journeys kind of thing. So if it's not too nosy, how far along are you? I am eight and a half weeks. So okay. still very early, literally got pregnant the same month that I was like building. December was a very creative month. Right. Baby Good. was made and Bliss House Network was the <laughs> you were very so busy <laughs> very busy and it's it's the one month that I wasn't thinking about you know I wasn't tracking my ovulation cycle I wasn't you know right. trying to, I wasn't thinking about it because I was so busy and um in a great way with creating right. you know the platform and getting the platform off the ground and it was like oh I'm pregnant, which feels like a miracle you know so it's yeah, amazing I'm super <laughs> excited for you and it will, I'll be watching to see if you post, if it's a boy or a girl when your time comes. Thank you. We decided to wait and make it a surprise in the end. So we'll all find out together. Oh, you guys aren't even going to check. Nope. No, we're not going to do a gender reveal this time. We did it the last time. It was fun. Of course, I feel very strongly that I'm having a girl, but we'll see. So are you just doing like a lot of yellows and greens? Well, because I had, a, you know, a, I have a whole house of baby stuff. So okay. if it is a girl, she'll be wearing a lot of blues and greens because, you know, I had a boy. Um, so and I'm, I'm sure her aunts and grandmother and family will shower her with all the pinks right. and purples. And, you know, she won't, right. if it is a girl, she right. will have no shortage of clothing. And if it's a boy, well, we've got an entire um, wardrobe. You're ready to go. Right, yeah. right. Well, in today's age and age, when there's so much about, um, you know, the gender equality and that it's right, okay for right. boys to wear girl colors and girls to wear boy colors, I think it's totally fine. And a lot of the quote unquote boy clothes now are like, it's that like teal green and like yeah. the beige. So they're very, you know, they, yeah. they work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they still work. They do. And yeah. And I'll still, if it is a girl, I'll still put her in a little football onesie, you know, and little things like that. It'll be. Fun. Yeah. I, I just think I'm like, okay, my, my oldest two are 16 months apart, 24 and 20. Wow. <laughs> my oldest was a boy. My next one was a girl. And there were a lot of clothes that she got, she got hand-me-downs <laughs> in and it was like, it was totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> it was <fine>. allowed. <laughs> They're still cute. They're so tiny. Like no one yeah. cares. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> All right. Well, as we get close to wrapping up here, I would love it if you would tell our listeners, um, obviously I'm going to put your information into the episode details and you have on here that you want them to connect with you at the Bliss House Network or Chris, Christella Ella A. Are those both on Instagram? Yeah, those are both Instagram accounts. Um, and I am offering a 30-day 
free pass right now where people can check us out totally free. If you love what you see, you can join and become a member. Um, no pressure. We don't take your credit card or anything. So after 30 days, um, you know, there's, there's no contract, no, nothing's going to come out of your bank account, but yeah. So if you're interested in that, just send me a DM saying that, you know, you listen to this podcast and you'd like, you'd like your free pass and I'll send you a link. Perfect. Excuse me. I want to like pack in your ear. Okay. And so what do you have coming up? Um, obviously, you know, I as well want people to come and check out the network, Bliss House Network on Mighty Works. Come check it out. Um, come check out the Clubhouse group because you do some amazing rooms. I love the discussions that you have in there and you have some pretty regular rooms going on. Um, so there's ways to connect and get all of that. Um, what is in, anything in particular that you would like for people to get their eyes on or to be aware of that's going to be coming up within say the next 60 days? Yeah, so I'm uh, currently finishing up the first Growth Squared Community Design uh, group, group, group mentorship program and course. And I will be starting another one once this one is done at the end of February. So around March, we'll start again. Um, but just in general, anyone who's interested in really creating a home for their community or growing and building their community from scratch, which is basically what I did. I mean, the people that are in my community now were not the ones in my community a couple of years ago. I met them all on Clubhouse, except for one, my bestie, who we started rooms together. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm teaching people right now. I'm taking that teacher background and I'm teaching people how to do this themselves and providing mentorship, uh, not just for me, but we have awesome coaches and mentors in the program as well. But without a limitation cap and lots of red tape, right? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, Ms. Christelle, is there any final parting thought that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, just it's to, you know, I, I had to really narrow down and focus on what I really was passionate about and not just what I'm passionate about, but what people need from me. And so I would just say, if you're feeling overwhelmed, because there's so many things that you could be doing or trying to do, I would just say, focus, 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 and narrow it down as much as you can. And you can still do all those other things um, as you're called to do them. But the focus is, is really where I found to be the most helpful for me. I love that. That's a great tip there. So y'all heard it straight from Ms. Christelle. I don't know what you're waiting for. Check out her episode. Listen to the full episode. Check out her details. Um, we will have a Q&A section down below underneath this episode where you can go and answer a couple of questions if you are so inclined. Um, love to have you check it out. Thank you again for being here with me. Thank today. you so much. It's, it's been, been so, so great. It has been. It has been. All right. And for our listeners, thank you for being here and we will see you all at the next one. Hey friends, are we having fun yet? If you like what you're hearing here on the Picture It podcast, I'd ask for you to do a girl a solid. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button up there. Go ahead and turn on your notifications. That way you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. If you would like to connect with me to say hi, to give me some topic ideas, or to come on as a guest speaker, please do. You can connect with me on Facebook or on Instagram at jwilsonpix. That's J-W-I-L-S-O-N-P-I-X.